Okay. Hi, Russell. Hey, Sean. We're back. And timer's going. Yeah. Part two. Part one. Little little review. Little taste. Yeah. Of, uh, three things that we talked about. Three three common misunderstandings that lead to people assuming that the Bible is morally evil or asserting, really. Yeah. So the three are, number one, you have people who confuse prescriptive and descriptive uh-huh. texts. So they think that what the Bible is just telling about sinful human beings is what it's telling us to do. Right. That's not the case. Okay. Number two, yeah. failure to recognize cultural and linguistic differences between the Israelites of the old covenant and modern Americans. Yeah. Uh, everything from what the word slavery meant to them and what it means to us, what yeah. their idea of slavery was and, and modern ideas of slavery to modern ideas of romantic love and feminism. Yeah. And yeah. All this stuff confuses us and makes us think some things in the Old Testament are evil when yeah. in fact they're just different views on justice and right and wrong than what many have today. That's right. Number three, failure to recognize the creature and creator distinction, which... Again, we said, you know, God is holy and powerful and perfect in all of his ways and all of his attributes. We are finite. We are limited. We are sinful. And we are indebted to him in every way, Mm -hmm. including up to our very existence. You know, every breath you take is something God has given you. Every breath I take. Yes. Thank you. Every move I make. All right. No longer helpful. (laughs) Um, Was it ever helpful? (laughs) so, So we can look at God as the author of human life with a prerogative and an authority to take human life and give human life as he wills, as he decrees. Or we can look at it uh, erroneously and say, well, I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So God God shouldn't do that. And if God is doing that, then he must not really be God. That's right. And we see this particularly in the context of, you know, God killing the innocent in the Old Testament by commanding Israel to you know, go and go into Canaan and take over cities. Yeah, that's right. And we pointed out that theologically no one's innocent. Yeah. And so this, this whole idea misses what the Bible teaches about humans and about their creator. Yeah. And it's, it's really the height of pride and arrogance as sinners for us to look at, at what God has said or what God has decreed and to render judgment on it. That's right. And that's exactly yeah. what we're going to talk about now. Oh, because in all these interactions, we've perfect been give- segue alert. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We've been giving evidence for, why these misunderstandings are misunderstandings and how to think rightly about the Bible. But there's something more fundamental here okay. that if we're talking to someone who's hardened in heart and who is, who's trying to pick apart the Bible, they're not asking sincere questions. Mm-hmm. They're not asking like, Hey, could you actually explain to me how this makes sense? Yeah. They're trying to, sh- you know, the gotcha questions. Yeah. They're trying to poke holes in the Christian faith. That's right. They're doing so on a basis of, of atheism from the point of view of atheism yeah. and that doesn't make sense right for a, a person who believes to use your phrase nah, i don't want to use your phrase you talk about stardust banging around into each other use your uh, own phrase we're, we're conglomerations of dust floating around in the black abyss of space right morality doesn't exist it's just whatever we want it to be it's what you know there's any philosophical any number of philosophical ways that, that can kind of pan itself out but for a person who believes that to be true of reality to then come along and say this is evil this is bad it's just it doesn't make any sense yeah so in all these conversations there's an elephant in the room so that the atheist who says okay here's your bible here's the things it says now i'm going to take the standard of what i know to be right and wrong over here and i'm going to apply it to the bible and show you where the bible's getting it wrong Mm -hmm. well what is that standard yeah where are you getting that and the question is can an atheist 
account for there being moral truth in a universe that, as you said, is yeah. purposeless, unguided chaos, time and chance acting on matter? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. There is no way for that view of the universe to yeah. make sense of there being rules for how stardust should behave. That's right. There's just no way to do it. Yeah. So what you'll get in response to that is, is you know, the, the atheist response will usually go down one of two paths. Okay. One is to say, well, yeah, you're right. Everything is relative. Mm -hmm. Moral truth is relative. There are no absolutes. Yeah. Uh, and, and the most consistent of the newer breed of atheists, you can't even throw out the Hitler card anymore. I mean, I'm serious. You, I had a conversation with a guy in my gym. You know, yeah, but what about Hitler? I mean, he killed six million Jews. You know, can, can you condemn that as like universally morally evil? Fifty years ago, it would have been like, oh, you know what? Dang, God. Obviously, me. Yeah. now it's like, oh, I don't know. You know, I mean, he, you know, he was trying to naturally select, not so naturally, and yeah, he, he just wasn't willing to affirm it. I, I've had the same experience with with atheists who are trying to be consistent right. with their view of reality. They recognize, as we've just pointed out, mm -hmm. that there's no such thing as objective, universal, unchanging rules about how clumps of stardust should act. Yeah. There's a difference between how they ought to act right. and what is and what happens. And yeah. their view can't account for an ought. It's just an is. Everything that happens is just what happens. Yeah. So they recognize that and they say, yeah, you know what? Morality is just kind of what we all feel and agree upon in yeah. a society. It's just preference. And they'll say... Yeah, the Nazis, you know, in 1940s Germany, it kind of was just the societal preference to treat Jews like animals. And yeah. they were just doing what they thought were what the, what they thought was right. Yeah. And so if I went back there and stood in their shoes, I'd have to say, yeah, this is right. Because yeah. that's just what everybody thinks. Yeah. Now, the absurdity of that is is obvious, right? To us, yeah. Everybody who, who is, is not sort of trying to follow that line of thought consistently as atheist is going to recognize wow, that's nuts. Mm -hmm. There really are evil things in the world. Yeah. But what's most interesting about that is the person who's trying to be consistent, you can't take them seriously. What because do you mean? what that individual will say, as hard as they try in the, in the context of your argument with them, your debate, your discussion, they'll say whatever they need to say to stay consistent. Sure. As soon as they leave that context, they're right back to living their life as if there are universal binding moral truths that they recognize yeah that's right so yeah. you can th i use the magic underwear salesman analogy here a lot okay there's a guy he sells magic Wait, first underwear. of all you said that like like we, like we all just know what it is you do i do that's true go ahead there's a guy who sells magic underwear right this guy goes around and he tells everybody hey this underwear if you put it on and wear it these whitey tighties they will make you essentially immortal you will be bulletproof. Mm. You'll never get sick. Mm. You could jump off a building and you'll bounce. So these underwear are amazing. Yeah, they you are. You cannot die when you wear them. You're this close to persuading me to start wearing underwear. So so when you argue with him, he'll be consistent. You say, yeah, but what about shark attacks? He'll yeah. find some way of explaining how these underwear prevent shark attack deaths. Yeah. Well, what about lightning strikes? He'll find a way to explain. Like, he will be consistent yeah. no matter what you throw at him because he's got his narrative, his sales pitch in his mind. Yeah. But what happens when he closes shop for the day? Mm. You follow him home. Well, he goes to the street. He looks both ways before he crosses. <clears throat> he walks downstairs. He holds the handrail so that he doesn't slip and fall. Yeah. You follow him home. He's taking his vitamins before he goes to bed. Mm. He buckles his seatbelt when he gets in the car. Yeah. Everything about this guy's life shows that he doesn't for a second actually believe 
that his underwear make him invincible. Yeah. Yet as soon as you talk to him about underwear again, he's right back to telling you how he's invincible when he wears them. The right. same thing is true of the atheist who tries to to argue this moral relativity position. Yeah. If you're arguing about it, they'll stick to their guns. They'll be consistent. The second you watch how they live and think and mm-hmm. speak in the real world, it, it completely betrays their position. And you have to just go with what they do and not what with what they say. That's right. Yeah, their, their life undermines their philosophy. Absolutely. I don't know any atheist who argues that morality is relative that isn't morally outraged at a criminal not getting justice. Right. Or who doesn't believe in the in the bottom of their heart that there are some things out there that are wrong. And you see that yeah. when they show this um this this moral reprehension at certain acts in society. Yeah. I mean just an extreme example. Russell. Oh, I thought you had an extreme example. Sure, I'll have an extreme example. Uh, molesting a child. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there are some people in some circles that would actually say no, but I think most people would know that molesting a four-year-old girl uh, is morally reprehensible. And not only would they, not only do they intellectually know it, but their innards curl right. at the thought of that, right? Their, their revulsion is something that comes up from within. It's guttural, right? And the distinction is it's not wrong because everybody in the society agrees it's wrong. Right. It's wrong because there's a universal binding moral truth. That's right. That no matter what anybody thinks about that act, the entire society could be pro-child molestation. That's right. And it would still be wrong. So philosophically, you can reason your way out of your understanding that God has naturally given you through your conscience. Right. But you cannot finally, fully, ultimately snuff out your conscience. It's still there. And maybe you can snuff out this aspect of it, right? Maybe you go to a couple of meetings where they actually advocate for, you know, uh, pedophilia in a way that you find convincing. Right. But then you're going to have this thing over here that you're still going to find morally reprehensible. You know, racism or kicking a pregnant woman in the stomach, whatever it may be. So even if you can snuff out or or sear down one portion of your conscience, there's another portion of your conscience that's always going to tell you there is such thing as universally morally binding truth. And that is evidence of exactly what the Bible says about the unbeliever. Right. Which that is they that suppress the truth. they know the truth through revelation and yeah. part of that revelation of natural revelation is our, our God given awareness of mm-hmm. moral truth. Yeah. And so knowing God through what he's shown them, they suppress that truth and yet they still leak out that knowledge. Yeah. And this is one of the ways that we see them leaking that knowledge. The second path the atheist can go down is sort of the, the Sam Harris path. Uh, Sam Harris famously advocates as an atheist, one of the the new atheist. Mm-hmm. It's not really new anymore. Not new anymore. Kind it of was the, 10 years ago. Kind of the vintage new atheist. Yeah, that's right. New-ish. New-ish. He yeah. advocates that there is such a thing as moral truth and that moral truth is objective and there is such a thing as right and wrong. And he bases that in this concept of human flourishing. Right. So Which that is if, really nothing but utilitarianism. That's the, and that's what yeah. it boils down to is, is he says something we can know, something is truly good or yeah. truly evil based on how well it causes a society to flourish and, and to procreate and to have peace and, and how much it harms a society. Who says that having peace is good? Yeah, exactly. How do, how do we determine what flourishing is? What if my idea of flourishing is different than your idea of flourishing? Well, more importantly, flourishing for who? Mm. Because are we talking about all human beings or just the ones with a certain skin color? Mm. Are we talking about all human beings minus this ethnicity over here, this religion over here, who gets to define what a human being is. Yeah. 
And so what we see if we push back on this is that all Sam Harris is doing is he's taking his personal preference for how to define good, which is just the flourishing of society. Yeah. And he's making that an unquestionable standard that he thinks everyone else should adhere to. Mm -hmm. And again, that he's evangelizing the world with that preference. And if you ask him, and I've seen this happen in a debate with a, with a Christian, if you ask him, well, what makes that preference anything other than just a preference? Like Mm -hmm. what makes it objectively true? And he'll say, I don't have to answer that because everybody knows it's objectively true. Mm. That's not an answer to the question. That's just appealing to a whole bunch of people agreeing with you. Yeah. And as we know, there are times in history where a whole bunch of people in a society all agree that Jews aren't humans. Yeah. Or that you can steal people from one continent and force them into slavery in another continent. Yeah. If you would have said in the late 1600s, everyone knows that black people are not fully human. They're just slightly less evolved primate. You know, whatever. Actually, I'm... There was an evolution at that you're, point, but you're paraphrasing the eugenics and Darwinian that's evolution right. yeah, of yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. But I mean, if you would have said, you know, "Hey, black people don't have rights," everyone would have been like, "Yeah, that's right." Yeah. So you can't appeal to common consensus as your source of authority. It, it leads to absurdity. Yeah, that's right. And so what Sam Harris is doing is he's insisting that his preference is the standard of truth, and that works as long as everybody shares your preference. You can kind of convince yourself that that really is true and yeah. false. The moment you have an example of someone disagreeing yeah. or some other society choosing a different preference, you realize that it's all completely subjective. Yeah. Now, what Sam says We know it's true. We all agree it's true. It's absurd to say that child molestation could be good. He's right. What he's appealing to, though, is his own innate knowledge of God's law, of the moral truth that is universal, is unchanging, and binding. But his account for that doesn't work. It doesn't comport with his knowledge of moral truth. Yeah. More than that, what this will lead to is might is right. That's right. Right. So if you if you accept a post 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 modern understanding of truth, whoever has the most guns, whoever has the most power, whoever has the mob rule on their side, whatever you know kind of effusion of power may arise at a particular time, whoever has that will be the person who gets to control and dictate what truth is. And we know that's not how truth works. No. And all it takes is a simple thought experiment to reason to that. Really. Yeah, like we've done. So if so, if we see a rise in power of white supremacists mm. and the white supremacists gain control of the world and say that anyone who's not a certain shade of pigment in their skin is mm. subhuman. Yeah. Well, if you believe that might makes right, that means in this hypothetical scenario, that becomes moral truth. Yeah, the thought experiment could be what if Hitler would have won? There you, you know, go. We, you know, it's possible that the vast majority of the Western world uh, and I guess the Eastern world, they were deep into Russia, uh, would grow up believing that to be true. And, you know, after a couple of generations of that, uh, it would have completely settled into the worldview of an entire population. That's right. So when the atheist looks at the Bible and says, yeah, this book gets it wrong on moral issues, he's appealing to some other standard Mm -hmm. that his worldview can't account for. That's right. He's either saying my personal preference is different than this Bible which doesn't make the Bible wrong. It's just saying that he disagrees. His preferences over here disagree with the preferences that we see written in the Bible. There mm-hmm. is no moral truth. It's all just, you know, whoever's the biggest and the strongest. Yeah. That's what moral truth is. And if that's the case, well, who is he to argue that we should all agree with his preference? Yeah. Um, on the other hand, again, if he's claiming that there is some objective standard outside the Bible, we just have to ask, says who? Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, no matter 
what the argument is. There is no way to take the atheist worldview, to stand in the shoes of the atheist, look at the universe as cosmic chance and chaos, and say, we're just clumps of stardust, unguided and undesigned, but there are rules about how stardust should behave. Yeah. Completely incoherent. Yeah. So what we see there over and over again is the atheist borrowing capital from the Christian worldview to argue against it. That's right. The Bible's immoral. Well, you're actually appealing to your knowledge of moral truth, which shows mm -hmm. that you're not really an atheist, that you actually know in the suppressed depths of your heart that God exists and he's given moral truth to us. Yeah. As much as you've corrupted that, you still see moral truth in the world. Mm -hmm. And now you're exposing your knowledge of God while trying to argue about God. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, he tries to teach his kids what right and wrong is. I'm sure. Yeah, it may look a little different. He probably lets his kids cuss a little more than me might, but you know. When I was an atheist, before I was converted, I would hear stuff like this and I would think, that's ridiculous. Atheists can be good people without believing in God. Atheists are better, in fact, than a lot of people who claim to be Christians. And that's true. And that's true. And, and I actually see this objection a lot um, when we start talking about the Bible and morality and atheism. But that objection completely misses the point of what we're trying to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Douglas Wilson actually has a good response to Christopher Hitchens on that point. He says, the question isn't, can an atheist be a morally better person than a Christian? The question mm -hmm. is, if a Christian lives an immoral life or an atheist lives a moral life, who is being more consistent with their worldview? That's right. Yeah. And, and the question is, if you believe that an atheist can be morally good in their life, which to some extent I think is possible sure. for anyone, what does that mean? Where do you get the idea of moral good? Yeah. What is the standard you're judging by? Yeah. And that standard always has to come back to God's unchanging, immutable, binding law. Yeah. Anything to add? Yeah. Let's, instead of doing a book this time, uh, let's recommend the Collision DVD by Douglas Wilson. It's a, it's a series of debates. Uh, it's a tour of debates, if you will, between Douglas Wilson and the late Christopher Hitchens, one of the new atheists, now new-ish for him, dead atheist. Mm. Uh, and uh, anyways, they went on tour and they had debates and, they, and, and it ended up in Washington, D.C. And it's just, it's so good because Wilson perfectly employs the presuppositional approach mm -hmm. to morality and authority. And, you know, some people might watch the debate and say, he just says, well, who says over and over again? But that's kind of true. And he does it in a way that's actually really potent. Yeah, and, uh, and very elucidating. You know, it helps it helps you to see how this apologetic approach is is used in practice. That's right. What it actually looks like in a conversation with an atheist. You've seen it. Yeah, it's a so you you would also recommend. I it. own the DVD. Yeah, it's a great documentary. Uh, yeah, Darren Doan, I believe, is the director. D Dun Doan. Darren Doan. Darren Doan. I think so. I'll correct it in the comments if I got his name wrong. Why are you promoting uh, the director? So you, Do you can know him? look it up on Amazon. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, I think you have to buy it on Amazon. I think that's the yeah. way to get it. But it's a good DVD. It's worth it. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's it. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We love you. Bye. Bye. I think, I think we're getting closer. To your catchphrase? Yeah. <laughs>